Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Today we talk to Brian Murphy, Deloitte's partner in charge of the Best Managed Companies programme, who talks about what it takes to be a best managed company. He also talks about the economic outlook for 2023, the war for talent, and how successful businesses adapt strategies based on their external environment. Brian, you're very welcome. We'll start off talking about the the best managed companies. Now, you guys recently did your call for the new cohort of 2023 to join. And I'd like to ask you really, you know, about the history of best managed companies in Ireland and what is the hallmark of of, of, of successful winners and entrants to this programme? Thanks, John, for having us. Um, And it's great to be on here to talk about the best managed companies programme. And we're in our 15th year of the programme in Ireland. Um, And I suppose, you know, the hallmark of a best managed company really is as well a company that firstly has an extremely capable senior leadership team. And, and, and I suppose I emphasize their team as opposed to a person. Um, so, you know, a really strong leadership team who are then driving, I suppose, a, a very well-developed strategy, but an adaptable strategy. And we, and we've, as we've seen in the, I suppose, economic, um, you know, crises over the last kind of two to three years from going from COVID into the Ukrainian war and everything that's kind of coming out of that, that, you know, the adaptability of that strategy is so, so important. Um, and that they have that capability of being able to adapt very, very quickly to kind of ever changing as well as economic um, kind of you know, so situations. Um, at the backdrop of all of that then is companies that are constantly innovating. So, mm-hmm. so, so we, what really, I suppose, distinguishes companies here in the programme is they may be doing something very straightforward or it may look from the outside that it's very straightforward, but it's how they're innovating what they do, how they produce their products, how they, as well as set out their services, or maybe it's actually how they're innovating and around how they're actually running their businesses. Um, and I think underlying all of that then really is the people um, and it's the kind of capabilities and the commitment to the people within the organisation. And that's the thing. I mean, when you see a successful team and you know, like you mentioned team, but is it, is it down to a collective will or is there usually a visionary leader who has managed to get them all to kind of agree to this vision or is it kind of case of everybody wants to succeed? What, what is the magic? Because I do think you're right. I think that we do we do live in an era where you, you look at a magazine like Forbes or something, there's always this kind of uh, cult of the CEO and, and, and this. But at the end of the day, the companies that seem to, as far as I see, succeed in any walk of life, never mind just your best managed companies, but anything is really down to alignment to the vision. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, we certainly see in our, in our companies and, and like I suppose uh, the majority of our businesses are family run businesses. So, so so, so, the starting point might have been, you know, the family's vision and, you know, maybe a CEO or, you know, members of the kind of leadership team. But I think it's widening that out then to a collective of senior leaders across the company, all who share in that vision and share in the development of that strategy. Um, and, and what we certainly have seen is the businesses where everyone is committed and everyone is involved in the strategy setting and everyone takes ownership of the strategy setting um, for their particular area of the business are the companies who perform extremely strongly under our, I suppose, what we have is four pillars of how we measure and how we kind of, I suppose, um, you know, evaluate the companies. And certainly under that particular pillar, we see you know, really, really strong businesses where you know that collective of the group coming together in formulating that strategy, but then also then I suppose most importantly for us is how they're monitoring that strategy, how they're assessing it, how they're 
you know, mm-hmm. making sure that they're measurable um, points that, were, that, that, that they have really there. Now, one of the things, if you, if you look at business in general, and you read the papers, you read the business magazines, in Ireland particularly, there's always something like you know, 20 years ago was the year 2000 or, or something else where it was .com and e-commerce or e-business. And, you know, the current mantra seems to be scaling up. Is, is the term I hear a lot of. And, and actually, it's not one I, I mind so much because I think I get it because we do need to see more businesses of scale. And, and at the same time, I don't think Ireland gives itself enough credit for even just how big a cohort of big businesses we've created when you think about, you know, we're one of the, well, you know, we, we've a huge footprint in the US in terms of as an, as an employer of, of companies even in the US when you think of that. Um, if you look at, say, the Irish Times top 1,000 companies list and you look at some of the ones at the top, the Glanbeas and all these companies, Massive operations, global focus, you know. So, first of all, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for the scale of some of our biggest companies. But at the same time, we're still very much an SME economy. I think 90% of businesses in Ireland are SMEs and very few of them are beyond the 50 mark of people. And so so there's still quite a, road, a lot of roads to go. Um, how, how do you think the best managed companies feeds into that narrative of like getting beyond, as I said, you know, you know, every 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 principal town in Ireland has obviously a local manufacturer or employer has been around for 40, 50 years, but sometimes they've never left their own country. Sometimes they've never, you know, gone down the scaling route in the same way that we seem to preach about it today and we talk about the eurozone and opportunities um but but the actual scaling vision and how it parallels to what you guys are doing how do you think we're doing on that front yeah i mean, I mean certainly all the companies we talk to um and the companies that are interested in the program are those companies who i suppose are probably in a place where they feel they've done as much as they can maybe in, in the irish markets and they they want to or have already started that journey of internationalization. Um, and, and I think they certainly see the benefit in the program in terms of A, the support they get through the coaching process. Um, because as, as you become you know, a best managed company or as you kind of become one of the new entrants of the program, we assess you, but we also have a coach who is assigned to you um, mm. for, for, from Deloitte. But also, um, you know, in terms of then the kind of, as well, brand to have best managed company linked to your company, that really has certainly helped and aided when companies have gone international, when they're talking to suppliers, when they're potentially talking to customers, because then they see that as a you know, recognised um, company within, as well as the, the best managed company programme. So it, it's certainly, you know, as part of strategy, um, when we look at that particular pillar of the, the programme, we are certainly looking for companies who are thinking of scaling or already have started to scale um, because they tend to definitely be the companies then that under the other pillars, for example, around governance, around kind of culture, around innovation, they all tend to kind of, I suppose, fit in with a company who's kind of on that bit of a journey. And speaking of the journey, like, is it a case that companies will go again and again or is it kind of like once a company gets the accolade, they kind of go, well, that's great, put the, put, put the reward on, or the award on the shelf and put them, have it in reception? Or is it the case that... <coughs> you know they were best managed company in 2021 they'd be one they, you know do it again in 22 they might do it again in 23 is, is it that kind of nature to it it is exactly so so, so i suppose what we, we ask the companies to do each year it's a requalify so there's a requalification process hmm. whereby each year it's reassessed that you are still meeting this was mark and the the quality to be a best managed company um and certainly i suppose our experience has been over the 15 years that thankfully companies have seen i suppose benefits of being part of the program and the network of companies in the program so they have continued to requalify and um, 
interestingly, last year was probably the first year we had a large cohort of companies who didn't actually meet the requalification criteria only for the reason that they've actually been bought out by kind of multinational kind of companies mm. um, or kind of international kind of investment, which in another spin, I suppose, is extremely positive for the programme because, you know, investors, you know, companies who are like kind of looking around are actually looking at companies within the programme. Um, and like, you know, to say that in one year, we had 11 companies um, who had actually been you know, bought out or invested internationally. You know, it is quite an accolade in itself you know, for the programme. Now, the old Chinese blessing or curse, depending on which way you look at it, is may you live in interesting times. And I can't say we, you know, I, often there's very few times in your life you might remark, I live in, I'm living through history here. And, you know, we certainly remember things like 9-11. Uh, but this past year, the war in Ukraine, um, of course, the, 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 the important things like global warming, you know, there's a lot of things happening. And I suppose also, you know, we're seeing things happening with tech at the moment, uh, a recalibration, maybe long overdue, if it depends on what, what your point of view is. But in terms of the challenges and opportunities of our time and how you're seeing the cohort of businesses that typically fall under your remit for this, how they're coping, um, you know, you know, it's almost exactly a year since uh, Putin attacked uh, Ukraine. Um, you know, we've we've had a lot of upheaval since then. The government has come out with measures to help SMEs to to navigate through these. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts on how how how, how businesses are navigating these these uh, so called interesting times? I took over the program um, this time last year, so we were kind of coming out of the COVID. Um, you know the COVID um, issues. I, 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 I can't believe I even didn't even mention COVID. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and straight into it's straight into the next crisis. Um, and I, I have to say, you know, the companies that we are that we are talking to within our program already, and then companies are interested in joining the program. You know, they never kind of cease to amaze. I have to say, to be fair, um, mm. I, I think you know for each of the businesses, you know, the. You know, one of the areas we, we, we've always looked at um, is kind of the financials and the governance of the business. Um, and no more than ever, that has been so important in the kind of current environments, because ultimately having that strong balance sheet and having the availability of you know, funding if needs be, or having you know, I suppose the, the determination to manage your working capital and so on has been absolutely vital. And you know, companies in this program do that so, so successfully through, you know, good management, um, but also then, you know, very, very, I suppose, stringent and prudent kind of, you know, financial kind of KPIs. Um, mm. We're also seeing, you know, you mentioned and touched on kind of that whole area, say, of, of ESG and sustainability and all the kind of challenges that that brings with it. You know, that wouldn't have been even an area we would have considered really five, six years ago. Mm. It's certainly something that's on every company's agenda presently. Is there work to be done? There certainly is. You know, we see kind of people and companies doing loads of good things on it. Was probably, I suppose, making that now a little bit more um, aligned to kind of the strategy of, of the business. Um, but, you know, in terms of kind of, I suppose, you know, all of the various different economical, I suppose, challenges that companies have been faced with, mm. um, you know, just that constant kind of commitment to kind of their own, I suppose, people, to their, I suppose, company in terms of what it's doing, you know, constantly, as I said earlier, about innovating what it is that they're doing. Um, and, and, you know, certainly some of the technology companies within our program, you know, do see, I suppose, maybe the, the bright side maybe of the, I suppose, wider technological, I suppose, issues that are kind of happening around kind of staffing and so on, that that certainly is potentially an opportunity for them um, as certainly talent and, you know, I suppose, 
attracting talent would certainly have been a challenge, particularly maybe for companies outside of, say, Dublin. And, and just in terms of the companies that have adapted to their adapted their strategies according to this, the external environment, could you give me can you, have you any good examples of, of businesses that you think have managed to, you know, transform or change or change direction in, in, in you know when faced with these challenges? Yeah, I would certainly say during as was COVID, um, you know. Our consumer and retail companies within the program did an extraordinary um, job very, very quickly of establishing. Some of them had already been established maybe online, but but certainly a lot of them would have had a lot of work to really transform how they did their business. Um, and that has continued. Uh, and, and certainly that's probably been across the board in terms of the kind of, I suppose, companies within that kind of sector. And mm. um, what I'm seeing, I suppose, in the last kind of 12 months with you know, the kind of constant kind of rises in costs, um, it has really been, you know, you know, certainly in a number of kind of sectors, you know, particularly I think high end manufacturing and kind of looking at engineering, you know, the costs associated with those kind of areas and those sectors are very challenging. Um, but I think the companies have done an extremely good job there in terms of innovating how they use the resources how they're using maybe some of the technologies that they're kind of using within in their businesses um, and using that then as being a little bit of, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're always being really around that. Now, you touched on talent there. And, and, and the funny thing, and funny, not funny about talent when, when they talk about tech wrecks and layoffs, but, you know, the you're see, we're seeing, you know, at one hand, the tech companies are, are recalibrating. You know, people could say there's been a long, long due uh, recalibration needed, but at the same time, it's an extraordinary situation because a lot of these companies grew extraordinarily fast during the pandemic in response to the sudden growth in remote working. Um, you know, that led to a lot of overhiring in a lot of cases, and now the companies are kind of, you know recalibrating and depending who you talk to there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the underlying businesses the only problem was that many of them grew really fast i think on one hand this also creates a great opportunity for indigenous firms who would have probably had to compete with the multinationals for for talent and those big salaries but at the same time underlying all of this is the fact that you know despite you talk about maybe things happening in tech and you know headlines in the papers about it you know, there is still a talent shortage and retaining staff is a prerogative across all sectors. And even in sectors where you would typically thought, well, you know, you know, salaries might not be as high as in some others, but particularly in, in, in hospitality, retention is really, really hard. And there's an emphasis there then to, you know, how do we change that? Do we invest in upskilling our staff? What are your thoughts on the overall talent landscape? Looking at obviously things happening in tech, but also the fact that I think also one of the things I'm picking up on is a lot of companies are are adhering to uh, hybrid working as a way of retaining staff to keep them happy and not let seeing them slip away because they're not happy because they're back to the office or something like that. So what are your thoughts on the overall talent landscape? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's still a constant challenge. You know, I'd say, you know, the theme through all of our businesses in the Best Managed Companies program last year was, you know, talent was high on their agenda. Um, you know, and I think, you know, certainly you've touched on it there. There's probably been two, I would say, key determining factors of companies managing to retain their, their their staff. One has certainly been that focus and around flexibility um, and I suppose trying to kind of adapt to how you know companies work. Um, obviously not, I suppose, something that every business can do, depending on the type of kind of um, area and sector that you're in. But certainly there's been a continued kind of focus around that flexibility piece. Certainly quite a number of our companies um, in the programme are outside of um, Dublin, or outside the kind of main cities, they have certainly found actually in terms of being able to attract talent, 
people are now continued considering like you know the work-life balance that maybe moving down the country moving out of the kind of larger city so that certainly helped them the second has definitely been outside of you know salary scales and kind of as you said you know there's a kind of continued pressure on on kind of salary inflation has been that area of actually upskilling staff and and we see so many of our companies who are you know really investing heavily here? Um, you know, sending people back to college, sending people to college, you know, getting people master's degrees, you know, all sorts of I suppose um, upskilling. Um, and certainly that has really I suppose been you know very much um, you know the forefront of what what a number of the kind of companies have done, and that that really has that really certainly has has helped them in terms of retaining that talent. Because I, I would have thought like you know um, even I, I work in the banking sector now, and you know. I had a vision of it all being like pinstripes and brass plates, but it was more like joining a, joining a tech company. And the more you think about it, is everything is everyone's focused on data now, and and you know a lot of the skills that are in high, highly prized, particularly things like CX, for example, didn't exist five or ten years ago. So you're seeing this whole change in skill sets, and and obviously the earning power of people based on these rare rare as hence teach skill sets are are, are are huge. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I mean I, another I suppose angle we've certainly seen when we talk to kind of you know, I suppose the the people in these organizations, you know, is that a real sense, particularly again, when you kind of get to, as you mentioned earlier, kind of companies in the larger towns or smaller towns around Ireland, mm. you know, these companies have become heavily invested in the communities that they operate in. Um, and I think that and the fostering of the kind of community with both the kind of staff, the kind of, you know, the employees, management, you know, that's certainly also helping to, I suppose, really you know, bring that life to kind of the businesses and for people to really feel like there's something, uh, you know, they're, they're part of something bigger. Um, and, and we certainly saw that you're know, really live in a number of our new entrants last year, um, you know, where that was really, really evident. And I suppose then the next question really is around digital transformation. Again, something that happened, and again, it might be informing some of the reason why we're seeing a lot of changes in the tech world as well, is that a lot of the transformation that they've thought would happen slowly and steadily over maybe you know, a decade or five years happened within a short window of two years. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've been a tech journalist a long time in my career and, and you know, you know, digital transformation. All these, Every few years, the industry puts these names on things. So, you know, it used to be e-business back around the turn of the century and then uh, cloud became the thing in 2010 onwards. And now digital transformation. And the only thing I have against digital transformation is simply it's a lot of letters <laughs> when you're writing a tweet. But no, but, but in reality, the, um, you know, the words are what they say it is businesses transforming digitally and you know what are your thoughts on that uh, do you think again that is what's informing maybe a lot of the the changes we're seeing in the tech landscape but also the maturity of business now i mean one of the things of course let's just talk about say really small businesses and during the pandemic we we had a lot of people saying let's let's get our smes online and let's get small shopkeepers who weren't selling online sell online that's a form of digital transformation i mean digital transformation can simply you know a, a transformative process you know you might move from paper-based procurement to digital procurement or you know some kind of system in place so there, there's many different flavors it just doesn't come in a box called digital transformation but but what, what are your thoughts on it and, and how it's transforming everything from the small business right up to the to the large yeah so so like innovation right again is one of the kind of key pillars of how companies are evaluated in the best managed companies program mm-hmm. right and i'd say within that as you said that that wide you know i suppose 
definition of digital transformation and all that comes with that probably kind of incorporates um, within that type of pillar. And so we're probably seeing, I'd say I've kind of seen it in three different ways, right? Firstly, certainly, and I mentioned it earlier, our kind of consumer businesses, our retail businesses, you know, doing business online now has become the norm. Um, mm. And certainly in a load of those businesses five years ago, they might be, have been thinking about it, but they certainly hadn't really, I suppose, developed the infrastructure around doing that. And it also, I would say, incorporates also how some of our companies are talking to their customers and their suppliers. Um, mm. So so that's a whole piece in around almost how we're kind of communicating and how we're getting to our markets, our customers, our suppliers. The second, I suppose, angle is I would say how, if you like, the businesses are running and operationally how they're running themselves. And we see this um, and we've seen it a lot in our engineering businesses. We've seen it a lot in our manufacturing businesses. You know, literally, you know, to the extent that you can, you know, everything is getting digitalized or certainly there is certainly a plan to digitalize as much as we possibly can. Um, and and I, again, certainly that you've seen, you know, that has brought extreme efficiencies, I have to say. And it gets the people out of doing the day-to-day stuff that they probably don't want to do anyway mm. and gets them upskilled and gets them doing, I suppose, more added value maybe type of work, which, to be fair, I suppose, feeds back into, I suppose, that thing around being able to retain people because they're doing something a bit more, I suppose, um, useful maybe in their own minds. Um, I think the third, um, and we're seeing this across the board, is in terms of how, I suppose, performance has been measured mm-hmm. and how I suppose having all this information now because everything is so now digitalized how we're using that information now to drive the business um, and you know one of the one of the CFOs I was talking to in one of the businesses our new entrance last year you know he's now looking at data analytics and he's looking at a, a data analyst which they would have never t- thought about you know this is a family run business and um, who are performing extremely well they're on that as well as a bit of a journey around trying to internationalize the business but he now needs a team of people really to analyze the amount of data they actually have so that's certainly again helping um to improve in terms of i suppose what it is that the CFOs and the CEOs of businesses have in terms of what they kind of kind of monitor and what they can look at. And that's another thing. I mean, I hadn't meant I hadn't been planning to ask you this question, but you, you know, there over Christmas, ChatGPT, GPT, sorry, came in, and everybody was going, "Wow, it's it's uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, it's um, you know, does this spell the end of Google?" Da da da. And to be honest, my take on it is personally, I think it spells the beginning of a new era of automation. And just what are the, what is the sense you're getting from uh, employers and managing directors and anyone who just happened to mention Chat GPT too, in terms of uh, is it something they they they're looking at uh, actively? Is it something that they feel nah, that's that's not a threat, or are they saying, well, no, is this could really help our workers to really you know as you say transform them, their own careers and maybe do more high value work as opposed to the more mundane. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly with all of these various different, um, you know, um, apps and so on that kind of come down the track, you know, there's certainly, um, I would say the initial, you know, maybe thinking is concern, right? A little bit of, you know, I don't really know enough about it. But I think then once people have done their research and, you know, and this is kind of across the board in terms of a lot of the, I suppose, AI we're seeing businesses beginning to start using, 
I think once you start doing your SWOT analysis, maybe of them, I think you start really then realizing, you know, actually this is the kind of way forward. And actually they're finding certainly, you know, the younger cohort of employees are certainly really up for it. Um, and, and I can definitely see it being, you know, a key feature of businesses kind of going forward. Um, and, and we've seen a number, as I said, already companies embracing a lot of these technologies already. So I certainly would see it as, as been a trend going forward. Very good. Final, final question relates again to the best managed companies. And when, when I hear, if I was a business and I entered something with best managed companies, I would, say, I would certainly have to say, even the act of doing so suggests a certain swagger or a certain sort of elan and belief belief in your capabilities that you think, well, I am actually, yes, I in fact, I am a best managed company. Have you, have you a, final, a final word for companies that might be mulling it, going like, hold on, you know, we've been around, we've, we do interesting things. I think we've overcome some really significant challenges or, you know, why shouldn't we be in that cohort? What, what would be your word to companies that are considering it and haven't yet done it and what they need to bear in mind the most? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in talking to kind of our new entrants each year, you know, as you said, I think as Irish people, you know, companies are, are maybe sometimes, you know, the confidence maybe isn't there, right? Um, or there's a maybe a bit of reluctance in it. But I think back to kind of, I suppose, why I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, if, you know, if you have a real, if you have a story to tell and, you know, your company has come from, you know, literally, you know, zero to, to wherever it's kind of come in this place, and you know you believe in your 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 senior leadership team. You believe in the people, and they're committed to your your business. And you believe your strategy, you know, is really underpinned by something that you're doing innovative within your company. The best managed companies program is for you. Um, and I think you know the brand recognition, as I said, it's really you know now become very much a global international brand. Uh, and I think as well as was the biggest feedback we get from businesses further program is you know, it really helps them and supports them in terms of even determining that strategy and relooking at that strategy each year as they kind of continue then kind of requalifying through the program um each year. So 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 they've they've certainly found the benefit in that as well. You know, it, it kind of brings that challenge that that sometimes you kind of need. But also if you apply for it and you try to join it, I mean I'm sure maybe you might make you might not make the cut, but you must learn a lot. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, I mean, our coaches are are highly trained in terms of being able to support businesses, um, to be able to help them. A, yeah, okay, there's an application that needs to be put through, mm-hmm. but it was wider. You know, they all have a lot of sector and industry experience. They come from a broad range of different, I suppose, um, areas of the business, from audit to tax to consulting. So, I mean, certainly, I I think you know, there's a lot to be kind of learned and gathered from that as well, because we can obviously share our experiences from talking to other businesses as well. Um, and I think actually that's another your real benefit of the program is, you know, we have 136 companies in the program currently. You become part of that network. You get to know those other businesses, you know, and often they're suppliers and customers of one another. They've actually been, you know, acquisition targets in, in, in cases as well. So, so so there's all of that, I suppose, network as well to, to garner some some support from. And we, we do as Deloitte then try to support that network as much as possible through various different events and um, that we have during the year with that cohort. Brilliant. With that, Brian Murphy, Deloitte, thank you so much for your time. That's great and great program. And any company that's listening in, do pay attention to this because it's uh, it's a real a real game changer for you. Thanks, John. Tune in for the next podcast where we talk to Vonnie McDermott from Connolly Partners about the future of advertising.